Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and this is Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to someone with an incredible story to tell. This is the challenge of my lifetime, and my father said this to me, he was like, because I was joking about like, you know, uh, doing adventure, uh, multi-day adventure races or whatever it was before I left. And when he subsequently seen me in a hospital bed, he said, you were asking for the challenge of a lifetime. Here it is. And, you know, it, 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 it mm. absolutely hit the nail on the head. And it was exactly what I was thinking. It was like, this is the challenge. And, and going back earlier when we were talking about like even the interrogation stuff, all of those things, I felt like it was like, somebody trying to break me yeah mm. so somebody trying to break me somebody trying to say you will give in you will give up this is this is not for you and i was like well you know it'll be on my terms um and nobody else's so so i made sure of that billy hederman is married to rita and they've two girls lana who's five and a half and isabel who's three and a half and they live in australia Originally from Cork, he served in the Irish Defence Forces for 13 years, which included successfully completing the Army Ranger selection process when he was only 20. But his greatest challenge came in the form of a bodyboarding accident on New Year's Eve in 2014, in which he suffered immediate spinal cord damage, paralysing him from the neck down. But within seven and a half months, he had ran 10k, and not long after that again, he had returned to one of his passions, which is skydiving. This conversation is an amazing story of psychological resilience and determination when faced with a life-changing quadriplegic diagnosis. And I think you're going to take as much from it as I did. 
I started by asking him what he was like growing up and how he ended up in the army. Super competitive, really into sport. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, kind of leaving cert year. And actually, I loved my leaving cert year probably because I didn't do any study or anything. I just uh, had a great time uh, and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe because I liked sport, I wanted to do PE teaching or something like that, or maybe even, I don't know, become a fireman or something. But uh, but actually, I just kind of took a different path. So it was pretty interesting, even from the outset. There was a few, a few lucky um, things occurred, and I actually ended up, um, so this is in 2001 when I sat the leaving cert. Um, I ended up a career guidance counselor um, in our school said to me, hey, have you considered potentially joining the army? And um, I had never uh, had anyone in the army, no background, never marched around or had any interest in playing with guns or doing anything like that. Right. So, uh, but she did, but she did say, um, you know, oh, you know, you, like if you, if you, join as an officer um you know they'll basically um support you going through university so you know basically you you get paid while you do uni you you know it back but like you know you you basically you're out on your own you do all that kind of stuff and you get to do loads of training and it's not in the office and stuff like that and i said hey that that sounds all right so um yeah so i applied for it during my leaving cert year um i actually didn't even get it um and then luckily enough five people turned it down and I was fifth on the waiting list and I got offered it the same within two days that I actually got offered PE teaching. That was August, 2001. And then um, I signed the dotted line to go up to the Curra and, and, and join the army in, in August, 2001. Uh, only a couple of weeks later, obviously, 9-11 happens. And then I literally yeah. start my first day in the army, 1st of October, 2001. Off I go. It just just turned eighteen. You went then went into the training to become an army ranger. Also, extremely young, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finished uh, finished the officer training in I think it was uh, uh, June two thousand and three, and great experience. Really, really like had a, had a fantastic time. But I actually then, uh, and probably a few things had changed, and I was more interested in trying to go down a pathway of. Kind of becoming or, or or leaning towards probably what we thought was the best um and i was interested in in taking a look at the at the army ranger wing so i actually applied for it in 2004 when i was still um 20 years old uh, as, a, as a as a very very junior officer um they probably shouldn't have have let me do it to be honest <laughs> but uh but they did um and and we took it from there for people like me who all they know of it is the Hell Week show on RTE. And I know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, you, we've spoken on the podcast before to Ray Goggins, and I know that you know the boys really well. well I worked with all those guys for, for, um, for a couple of years when I was, when I was serving in there. And it's great. Like, like um, it's funny when I watch the show because um, obviously I've heard and seen that shtick loads of times. But, uh, but I got to say, like, like they're, they're all superb professionals. And obviously, Ray, Ray is fantastic. Um, Ray, Ray is really, really good. Uh, a quick anecdote, actually, about Ray. So he was, I don't think he was full-time staff, but he was, he was staff knocking around on my course in 2004. And it's interesting, um, uh, you know, his book called Ranger 22. But yet, he, I remember him tapping me on the shoulder one day when I was, you know, a student, and you're petrified of the staff. 
Um, and my number just so happened to also be number 22. And he told me, right. yeah, and uh, the Cork accent, even at that stage, uh, you know, it kind of gives you a little sense of warmth that it's not, you know, yeah, another yeah. dub screaming at you or something like that. So, uh, so uh, you know, he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, basically, you know, that was my number two. So you better make sure you pass. And then years and years later, I still remember that, that conversation. So there you go. Small. It's and, a small world. It's a very small world. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. And I mean, what we what we hear of what we see on TV, it looks absolutely insane. And that's a week. You guys have to do five. Is it five weeks of it? Uh, so it, it it does change. Um, that okay. particular course in two thousand and four was five weeks. Uh, uh, the madness that it was. Um, so we did it. We did it. Five, yeah, five weeks. Was, and that's again. It's just the it's just the entry mechanism. You know what I mean? It's almost like. Um, um, uh, trying to find out those who probably have the raw materials. So particularly, and that's in even the, the unit's model, you know, it's above a certain level of physical fitness. Anything above that would pass the course, but then it's nothing really to do with physical fitness. It's all about pretty much heart and determination beyond that. So you've got to be physically fit, but whether you're an inch over the standard or a mile, it doesn't really matter. What really matters is, is probably the heart and, and, and mental toughness and resilience, which that just passes the course. After that, then the next part is actually being adaptable enough to do the months and months of training so that you can actually go about and do what you need to do. You know, For a, a normal Joe Hope like me, it's hard to imagine what five minutes of that experience is like. No mind, five weeks. And then, as you said, everything else that happens after that, uh, because it looks absolutely bonkers what you have to go yeah. through and, and you you know you did say it there you were competitive you were into sports so you were bringing that stuff to the table so you were physically probably able for a lot of what was happening but there's a certain point where it looks like the body is just saying I, I, you know I don't know if there's anything left in the tank and then you have to dig deep into you know whether what your mind is telling your body to do and as you said what's what's in your heart what what's that kind of driving you on um yeah. How many were on your course and how many then passed? Just to give us a sense of how tough it is. Um, I think we got a reasonable return on, on our course. So I think there was between 50 and 60, I think. Um, right. And 11 of us passed. So right. there was myself and one other officer. Um, and then and then uh, nine nine other ranks passed um, as well. And then um, what happened then was the rest of the guys, you know, um, kind of went went on to the next phase where they kind of start training them up on all the skills. And actually, because myself and the other officer were so young at the time, hadn't any overseas experience, hadn't even started university at that stage, they said, "Listen, you passed. That's that's just a tick in the box. Um, keep your." Keep your bibs clean for now, and basically, once you're out the far side and you've got more experience, if there's a position available, we'll we'll keep you in mind pretty much. But uh, but I, I got to tell you that even when you talk about probably going through that stuff, often when I think back of it now, I think I probably signed up for maybe the wrong reasons. But during the course, um, my mindset shifted, so I was probably originally uh, motivated extrinsically. I wanted to, because I was never the best at anything, never the best runner, uh, uh, best tactics in, in the army, best shot, best nothing. Like nothing, jack of all trades, ace and on. Not the worst at anything, thankfully, but certainly not the best at anything. And I always wanted to, I felt like, ah, oh, 
people don't think much of me. People don't think this, you know, like I'll prove them wrong. I'll go down there and I'll do this. And all my training was geared around showing somebody else. But I quickly realized when I was on the course that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or anything, because it's just all stripped away. And it's down to how bad, like you consistently, because the physical aspect just takes you to the question of how bad do you really want this? Mm. And do you really want it enough? It doesn't matter about anybody else. It's how bad you personally want it. And my mindset, I, 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 can, I can just think about it back now, even as a 20-year-old, like really immature dumbass. I remember thinking back to myself, I was like, I actually want this. I want to be part of this unit. This is where it is. I just want this for me. And I have to say that finishing the course when we walked back in the gates, it was at the time just the best feeling in my life because there was no, it wasn't like you're uh, getting any external uh, plaudits from it. It was just internally that you were like, this was the hardest thing that I've ever endured. And I bloody did it. And these guys alongside me did it. And, you know, they'd be, they'd be people that you'd stand aside, uh, stand alongside for life as well. So, uh, so yeah, it was just just a a thing on the mindset of that kind of stuff. When you say, geez, it's mad. It's, I think a lot of it is is the motivation behind it beyond beyond your limits, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Two questions. Did you feel like giving up at any point? And what was the absolute hardest element of it? Like, can you remember a moment when you're like, "What am I doing? What am I doing here?" Yes, I never I never thought about giving up. Um, okay. And did it never even cross your mind? No. No, and um, I think that I saw myself, although the jack of all trades kind of ace of none, I saw like my my thing was that I was the I was the never give up person. I was the stubborn, stupid. If my legs are ripped up apart, I'll still crawl. And there were some interesting times when I saw guys who I knew they were probably good enough to pass the course. Like there was guys on my course, and subsequently running the course, I saw it as well like the fittest people sometimes don't pass it and like all they need to do is push to the next uh, hill keep tipping away keep doing whatever i remember people pulling out and i was like you know if you really don't want it that much maybe it's not for you um maybe maybe that's not maybe that's not the character that 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 really the, the unit's looking for or whatever um so i remember that myself thinking not never ever ever i said if they're going to if they're going to bin me off the course fair enough uh, and there was times where I was rightly given poor appraisals on the course. And I thought, you know, they might take me away and say, not, not good enough, fair. But I wasn't going to do that myself. Um, mm. The second question I would say is for me, and everyone's right. different, right? So some people have the, the, the different tests. Um, uh, um, for me, it was actually the uh, first time I was exposed to um, an interrogation activity. I have to say that that was uh, that was pretty horrendous, um, and I was unlucky, but probably lucky enough to have experienced that in a number of courses since that um, uh, time. And uh, I have to say, the first time I did it was definitely the biggest shock, biggest difficulty, and just I, I found it very, very, very challenging. So, but uh, thankfully, uh, you know, as training usually does, it ended. It ended yeah, yeah. sometime uh, and, and we carried on. <laughs> Can we talk about Rita? So you guys were together quite a few years. Um, when, yep. did you, when did you start dating first? What age, what age are you talking? 
Um, first met in uh, late 2003. Um, so had finished my officer training and stuff like that, but actually hadn't even uh, conducted that initial, like the, the range wing selection course or anything like right, that. Right, okay. Um, and, and then pretty much uh, went out on and off and stuff through, through college a couple of times and stuff like that through the years. Um, and then, yeah, pretty much um, pushed on through the time that I was in the range wing. That was obviously pretty, pretty difficult because subsequently when I joined the unit in very early, so January 2010, so, you know, I, I went and did uni, went overseas and got experience, then came back. I was lucky enough that that they um, asked me to join. Uh, and then for the three years, I was I was a platoon commander. I was, I was one of the officers in the unit. Um, which was just a fantastic experience. Challenging for Rita, for sure, because she was teaching down in Limerick at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, subsequently we we got married in 2014, in May, just before we left for Australia that October. Yeah, so 2014 is a massive year. Mm. Massive highs. And then the year ends with something utterly unexpected. So, so you get married in May. And at this stage, you've been together yep. 11 years. So yep. you're well bedded in, you know, the relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little too bad, well, but like I, I think I was under a little bit of pressure because um, I had introduced one of my army friends to Rita's younger sister who okay. were also getting married and they were getting married that summer as well. So, you know, away. the pressure was on. So, yeah, 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 the pressure was on. So it was good fun though. Great summer. Yeah. Okay, great summer. Right. Okay, loads of celebrations and... You guys are now living in Australia. When when did you make that decision that you were going? Because that's a big old move, isn't it? You know, leave your family and your life behind in Ireland yeah. and, and your army life in Ireland. Now you stayed with the army, but nonetheless, it's a, it's a complete cultural and life shift. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, definitely immigration is 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 no joke, and and. You know, we 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 definitely think about it and and feel it. Um, it was a massive move and a massive change. Um, I think some of the uh, levers, but well, the first thing was is that I actually um, really loved Australia. So um, in two thousand nine, after I finished the deployment to Chad, um, met Rita over here in Australia, and we got a camper van, went up the east coast for a month. Just amazing, loved it, loved every second of it. Um, and then probably coming out of the Ranger wing, um, in 2013, um, when I was on another deployment, probably at that stage, um, wheels were set in motion and I started applying for an overseas ladder transfer. Uh, and the reason probably for looking at that was twofold. One, I thought like, you know, the pinnacle in the Irish defense forces was serving as I did for the unit. I was an officer in there, so much learning, so much experience, um, uh, that was fantastic. Um, and also, I think generally we saw it as an opportunity. You know, we were kind of like just about to get married, didn't have um, kids or anything like that. Looked like a great opportunity where we could basically get out and get after the world. And and although I was probably a little bit um, conscious of leaving the Defence Forces after 13 years of it, I was probably a little bit, um, maybe a little bit jaded from it as well, from kind of some of the carry on and stuff like that. It's well documented, but um, but, you know, I probably... At that stage, I didn't want to. I didn't want to kind of moan about. I uh, just try try and do something. And to be honest, it was it was a fantastic, really seamless transition. Um, where literally on on the like thirtieth of September, um, uh, I've 
officially resigned from the Irish Defence Forces and the following day literally got on a plane, signed the contract in, in London and they flew us straight into Brisbane and, and started our, our new life there where I was handed an Australian uniform and showed how to salute the way they do and, and all the rest of it. And uh, it was fantastic. Like um, uh, we're living in Brisbane now and, and, and Brisbane's a beautiful spot. So really, really um, idyllic um, living. Um, and we were probably setting ourselves up um, for the future as we thought it would be uh, mm. in, in Australia that way. Um, but uh, what that changed, uh, unfortunately. So you're in Australia for Christmas and, you know, you're having a very different Christmas to what, w- what it would be at home in Ireland. The sun is shining. You're probably on the beach a lot. Can you tell us about New Year's Eve and how that day starts out? Yeah, so, like, again, we were... We were probably of the mindset that we didn't want to say no to things. We wanted to get amongst it. So if people were asking us over for barbecues or come and do this or come and do that, we were like, yes, 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 all the time. Um, the one caveat that Rita had when we went to Australia is um, we're, um, we're proud owners of a little Scottish terrier. Um, and she said he had to come with us. So we had, uh, and the worst part is is the um, the dog's name, which uh, and he was called because we had, I wanted one thing, Rita wanted another thing, and we had a housemate living with us, and she picked the name. So the dog's name is actually Ozzy, um, which yeah. is just a complete coincidence. Um, <laughs> right, love which, it. Which, you know, when you're at the dog park is a little bit awkward, you know. <laughs> if you call it out three times, somebody roars back, oi, 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 you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, God. But, uh, oh, but no, so, so so New Year's. New Year's, we took um, we took Ozzy... Um, up to the up to the beach basically so um uh, we were up in the sunshine coast so you know um an hour uh and a bit up from brisbane um absolutely gorgeous weather um and yeah it was on uh king's beach in caloundra kind of uh around the middle of the day i was probably pretty smug um doing a whatsapp video back to my family saying look where we are on the on, on the uh, on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, hope it's nice and cold back there. Um, and um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, I went back in. Um, so uh, bodyboarding um, uh, around 2 p.m. Uh, and had a, a pretty much a catastrophic accident that certainly changed my life from there. So um, what happened was pretty much uh, a, a wave caught me pretty badly, uh, flipped me. Uh, pretty much head straight down at like um pretty much like uh one of those like uh, if you can imagine a like a dump tackle in rugby something very similar to that and my head just went straight into the sandbar below and i ended up um fracturing my neck uh, on my new fracture kind of midway down my back but of course the most most serious part of it was that um i instantaneously damaged my spinal cord here at the neck which rendered me paralyzed uh pretty much straight away so i was instantaneously paralyzed um, from the neck down. It's bizarre to listen to you speak like this when you're sitting, you know, in, in, in front of me now chatting away and it's like you're speaking about somebody else because I suppose we're going to get into it, how you went from that to where you're at today and, and all that happened in between. Um, do you remember, do you remember the moment? Do you remember it when it happened? Is it I very do. clear in your mind? Yeah, okay. I, I do. So um, I remember the pullback being quite strong, uh, hips going overhead, and then pretty much the dull 
pretty strong thud um, towards the top of my head, pushing me down into the sandbar. But also I remember afterwards, which is pretty eerie. So um, I've been, uh, you know, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very quick. Uh, so I've played a bit of rugby, but I always get caught. So I've been concussed a couple of times. Um, so I know what concussion feels like. And I was certainly concussed, right? Not unconscious, concussed. So um, um, very groggy, very hazy, could see the kind of sand just below me. It's probably only in a few feet, but, um, you know, the waves were crashing over on top of me. Um, and I didn't have an immediate sense of um, concern for myself. I was just like, oh, you got wiped out there. Oh, that's no good. Oh, just shake it off, you know, walk it off. You know, you just got a little bit phased. And then another, you know, few seconds. And I was like, oh, okay, You're kind of still really groggy, not sure what's going on, uh, you know stand up whenever you're ready there, you know, <laughs> um, and mm. another few seconds. And then, then all of a sudden it kind of dawned on me. I'm like, okay, stand up, you know, like get yourself out of the water. Come on, stand up. Uh, and my chest reminded me as well of that. So basically started kind of trying to suck in or do something. Um, and I realized I was under a, a, a bit of pressure. I was like, Oh, something's definitely not right here. Um, and again, I was just really fortunate. Um, so there was a young boy, never seen or met him afterwards or anything, which is terribly disappointing. But he came over, uh, kind of waded over, and I could hear him kind of shouting, hey, mate, you all right? Um, and he just rolled my shoulder a little bit, which got my chin out. Uh, and I got one or two breaths with the with the waves coming over me. Um, certainly saved my life, right? Whoa, um, nice. And from that, he, yeah, he pretty much screamed back at the beach. And the yeah. first two people to run in, were, and I'll subsequently find this out, is an ex-emergency nurse and a guy studying sports medicine. So the two of them run in, and she pretty much grabs C-spine control, takes my head into neutral, and they carry me out of the water and put me on the beach. And I remember when I was being carried out of the water, because it's all so disorientating, I was like, kind of in my head, I was like, ah, obviously I need to be helped out here, but I was like, ah, guys, like, it it felt like they weren't carrying me correctly because I was like, who owns that arm? Not realizing, of course, that it was my own bloody arm hanging down from the side. <laughs> so uh, when I got laid down, um, I lay down, I was looking up, eyes were stinging really badly. Um, and for, I'd say maybe, maybe five seconds, no more. I thought, this is lights out. This is what it feels like. You're, you're, you're going to drift off any second. Um, and that's that's kind of confronting even now to s still say and to think of from time to time and stuff like that. But thankfully, I got a grip of myself. I just went through like, you know, classic military ABCs. I was like, airway, breathing, circulation. Are you going to bleed out? Are you going to die? No, you're not. Relax. Everything's okay. fine. The fact that you even, that crossed your mind, just going on what you previously said to us about your mindset, which was, I never give up. I'll always keep on trucking. So for you to actually go to that, that very dark place of, oh no, I'm, I'm toast, I'm done. You, you must have been in a completely uncharted territory in terms of what was going on in, in your body, in your thoughts, in that moment that I would imagine it's probably difficult to put, put words on. The fact that the two people that took you out of the water, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but it's impossible not to get goosebumps when you say that. When you think of of something like that happening and 
as you said, the boy, for starters, and moving you. And in that moment, he, he's actually saving your life. But then the two people that happen to be there. Now, I don't know if you're a, a spiritual man or a religious man, but is that something that crosses your mind? Like, what are the what are the chances of, of that happening? That the people that are there to help me actually have a very particular skills that in that moment are are incredibly important to you. I don't know, Sheila, to be honest, um, because I know I know subsequently, like people approached me in hospital and, you know, people said like it was everything from and even people back at home approaching, you know, my mother saying like literally it was a miracle, like, you know, like somebody, somebody, somebody up there or, you know, um, friends of mine who had passed away. Oh, they're looking after you or whatever. And I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I, I couldn't say, oh, it was or it wasn't or anything like that. I, I just don't know. But yeah, the way I try to, um, I suppose, look at it from my perspective is um, if if I get the rub of the green, if I get, you know, uh, a ball bounces kindly for me, I'm still going to try and basically, as best I can, smash it into the back of the net is the way I'd look at it. So, like, just if it's luck, serendipitous, something else um i don't know i don't know if yeah. i'd ever know but mm. all i can do is say all right if and 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 to follow on the story really early on in the piece and people find this probably a little bit strange but re- like when so subsequently the lifeguards came down and then the paramedics and the paramedics lifted me into the ambulance and as early as the ambulance um i was already thinking to myself um that was like I, I got lucky there um, not so much kind of concern, but lucky. And even subsequently when they chopped me down to ICU later on um, in, in Brisbane, um, I actually, when I got my first um, uh, kind of diagnosis, you're, you're an incomplete quadriplegic. We don't know what, if anything will come back, it's incomplete, which means you can, you've got some movement in your lower and upper. So we don't know what, if anything comes back, that was what they gave me at about, four or five o'clock the following morning. So good way to ring in the new year. But I think even at that stage, I had I like the way I was looking at it um, um, was I had two wins already that day. One, I was still alive when so many people aren't. Like you, like, you know, so many people have accidents in the surf, never come away from it. And then the second one was that it wasn't a complete spinal cord injury. Complete spinal cord injury, severance of that spinal cord, millimeters of a difference, um, and I would not even have had the, um, the, the thought of anything returning. So, you know, like at least I had something as opposed to yeah. nothing. And even if it was still only a toe and a thumb, which was originally what I had, if it was just that, I was like, hey, I'm still thinking, I'm still talking, I'm still here. That's a mad win is the way I was looking at it because I literally just kind of really – escaped there so that's that that's the way i was probably looking at those things and i'm probably still do to be honest what an incredible perspective i mean there's positive <laughs> there's a oh it's a nice sunny day and i'm gonna have you know i'm gonna have a good day and then there's then there's that which is which is next level that's 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 phenomenal thinking yeah Rita calls it aggressively positive you know right. i'm like okay i don't know if that's a good thing or not but <laughs> <laughs> That's a great description, isn't it? 
And, yeah. and like, there's, there's no faking it there. It, that's just, no, no, I'm going to, it's not a case of, all right, this, this awful thing has happened, but I'm going to just force myself into focusing on what I do have so that I don't allow the negativity to swallow me up. Or is, you know what I mean? I'm trying to understand because I, nobody has any idea unless they're in a, in a situation like that, because it's life or death stuff. It's you're, you're faced with yeah. news that it's hard to comprehend. But is that just where your head goes always to the, let's look at what I have, not what I don't have? I think um, maybe it was like, you know, immediate action mode. It's kind of like, you know, maybe I was in that space because certainly when it, when it sets in and some of my lowest times and hardest days were not, you know, within the first week, um, probably it was more so, you know, weeks and weeks and even months later, um, when it's, it's, it's not, you know, you're realizing the depth of it and you just have those terrible days. Um, they were probably more challenging, but certainly at the start, maybe it was that I was in this kind of immediate reaction. Something happens, you flip the crisis mode um, you, you try and, compartmentalize you try and put structure on it you try and do all these kind of things very quickly um mm. i think and maybe that's partly from you know the experience and the exposure that i've gotten previously before maybe yeah. it it actually seeps in at the personal level mm. where was rita when this happened like was she with you on the beach that day or did you hear about the accident later she was with you that day wasn't no she? she was there she was just back up in the grass area oh, so okay. um uh, when I had described uh, her, the the first responders ran up, got her. She came back down, and of course, you know, I, I was I was able to speak, but only very um, uh, softly. But I was trying to convince her that it was fine, and I was apologizing that this was going to ruin our like New Year's night out with our new friends. And I was like, ah, oh, it's probably just a stinger, you know. We're we're still on for tonight for 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 ringing in the new year. You know, uh, it's like kind of like, uh, no, not really. You know, you're, you're paralyzed from the neck down, so probably not. Um, so, but yeah, she was she was there uh, from that early on, um, and then we had friends drive her down back to Brisbane, and then she met me um, back in the in the hospital. They took me to like the Sunshine Coast Hospital, and then then down to Brizzy, down to ICU, because that's where the spinal injuries unit was. And that's kind of when I, I I realized I was like, okay, they're choppering me down to. Where this so there's only one spinal injuries unit in Queensland. It's 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 in Brisbane, and um, that's when I was like, right, this is this is not a stinger. So you know, and and then subsequently, uh, that was when you know I started making those phone calls home. Well, when I say I, Rita, and holds the holds the phone up to me, um, to and and some of them were obviously very difficult, where you're trying to explain to a parent what's after happening and hope they don't freak out, um, yeah. which is difficult. So you only had what a small amount of movement in your fingers or finger. Yeah. A toe, one toe and one thumb. Whoa. Nothing else. No, no, it was pretty hectic. And that, and you know, I didn't really realize um, either, but of course that obviously included um, no bowel function, no bladder yeah. function no sexual function. Um, and I probably didn't appreciate as well until, you know, I was in ICU and after getting the kind of diagnosis and general prognosis and all this, I was like, right. Okay. 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 
you know, this sounds like it's going to be a lot of work and we'll see what we can get back and so on, so on. Um, and then this nurse walked in and said, hey, Billy, um, has anybody spoken to you about a catheter yet? And I was like, what's a catheter? You know, I was like, oh, oh, God. OK, that's what it is. Right. OK, this is this is going to be interesting. So. So, yeah, I didn't probably have an appreciation at all about the difficulties that somebody um, who's dealing with paralysis actually has. Um, so yeah. it's quite uh, it's very intrusive and um, it's like the the flip, the juxtaposition between the type of person you were hours previous to what the outlook is going to be is pretty um pretty confronting so you know even uh so like i was in icu i was in acute care for you know a few, uh, I think about two weeks before i went onto the onto the spinal ward itself and out of the 40 beds on the spinal ward you know roughly around 35 of them are usually um male and they're usually below 50 and um, so a lot of it is some sort of blunt force trauma injury so everything from car crashes motorbikes swimming accidents while drunk whatever like i was like each each uh wardroom has four beds and i was the eldest out of out of my room uh which and the which eldest of what age eight. what like what are you talking oh uh, yeah sorry so i was 14 what was i 33 and i have to say the first time that i got um brought down to the spinal injuries unit and i was still mm -hmm. obviously um very heavily like wheelchair bound i they had put and i'm not sure if you can see the mark still but um, a halo brace to fix my neck to fix the um the same way that you do for a cast to fix the actual bones um couldn't move had the catheter in had bowel therapy bladder therapy, all that kind of uh, horrendousness um and they were pushing me around the spinal injuries unit saying this is where you're going to be um, working out of for essentially the foreseeable future and that was probably one of the lowest days i had when I was looking around and you just, you know, like from the corner of your eye, because you can't, you can only see it from, from the corner of my eye, looking into all these rooms and people just, you know, in, in that, you know, in, in that state where they're either on the bed um, or they're just in their wheelchair, um, you know, walking around the place. And I was like, you know, it didn't seem like, like, you know, somewhere where I was going to get better. Um, yeah, and yeah. it was very confronting. I was, I was quite, um, tired at the end of that day i gotta say mm. it really was like exceptionally grim existence maybe it kind of suited my uh my 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 bossiness or something but you have to be obviously really prescriptive as well for because you you literally can't do anything so you know um at the very start obviously there was um because the other real difficulty i had was trying to swallow anything because you know no neck movement or whatever it had to be really really um easy digestible almost complete liquids um mm. drinking liquids was very hard it was very difficult to actually get anything down my down my neck at all and i found that exceptionally difficult i was losing an awful lot of weight um i, I really went pretty skeletal Pretty quickly the body started probably cannibalizing itself um and obviously had major issues so like you know pretty much had had, had that catheter in uh, draining my bladder um and i had significant issues with that where there was a lot of dramas you, you know I, I won't go into the, the the details but it was it was certainly um uh, very painful bowel therapy which again was particularly worrisome because you know for 
pretty much the first two weeks um, due to the paralysis, um, I wasn't able to pass anything, which, nice. you know, in itself, they were, they were saying was quite dangerous. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so there's all these things that you don't think of when all of a sudden you're paralyzed and you're like, oh yeah, I didn't even, didn't even realize that. So people go, oh, how's the neck? And you're like, well, you know, that's only one of the worries that you have probably, you know, there's so many yeah. sores, blood pooling, you know, I was getting jagged blood thinners, you know, they were rolling me every two hours, even, do you know what, even trying to like, and I know it sounds funny, like itch your nose or something, you know, you gotta, you gotta call someone for that. And every night, of course, they put you on the bed, lay you out straight and, and they get a little tube and they put it up to your mouth like that. So that pretty much if you need to call a nurse, you try and blow the tube. Um, but of course, on occasion, that tube fell or just went out yeah. of reach, and okay. there's, not, there's nothing you're doing or able to do or anything like that, which was, which is pretty grim. And you know, you're not really sleeping. Every two hours, anyway, you've got people coming in and they rotate you from side to side, and literally they'll rotate you and put pillows alongside, and you think it's comfortable, and then you walk out, and then like two minutes later, it kind of falls to the side, and you're like, oh, oh God, nothing I can Christ. do now for the nothing I can do now for the next until the next two hours. Uh, better suck that one up, you know. So when you were on the beach, you were saying that you were able to kind of give a bit of a description, uh, you know, of Rita so that they could get her. So was there an element of having a certain amount of speech in the beginning? And did that start to diminish over time? Or were you still able to, to say certain words or speak at a certain level? Oh no! Like uh, uh, talking was 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 always fine. <laughs> I think people right. say that Interesting. that's, that's okay. always been a problem. I talk too much. That was never <laughs> that was never an issue. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, so uh, that that obviously was 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 um, was good. Some people like if if like they have issues. Like thankfully, um, some people if they ingest a lot of water when their injury is in the water, they'll have major lung issues might have you're right some 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 vocal issues and all that kind of stuff thankfully um um my lungs didn't fill i did like I, because probably i was dazed as opposed to unconscious um it, and i didn't take on any water i was exceptionally lucky with that as well so thankfully that was uh that was good so yeah i was able to able to tell off loads of people and tell them where to go and what to do and not that side this side a little bit higher a little bit lower you know all good so in the intro, I would have said, you know, that you're you're married to Rita and you have two kids and people listening are going, wait a second. So they married in 2014, didn't have kids. And this thing happened New Year's Eve and he had no movement. So how do you go from that to where you're at now? I suppose. And again, I looked at it almost at times as the positive of having an incomplete uh, injury is that you know your consultant um, um, doc really it, it, they can't they can't say well because it's this you're going to get roughly around this level of return of function it just doesn't work like that um, so the way I looked at it from very very early on was really the case of all right whatever I get back or whatever you know is the determination that I'm going to get back that's what I'm going to get back but. The gap between what I could get back and what I will get back, well, that is where I control. So uh, pretty much it will be up to me to get to the absolute limit of what I can get returned. And there's no way in hell that I am going to turn around at the end of all of this and say, I could have done more or I could have got more because I owe it to myself. 
but I certainly owe it to, as you mentioned, to my wife, to my friends, to like, like family coming over. There was support. There was so many different people helped out in, um, you know, good wishes and stuff like that, but actually like material, really, really good things. Like people from like, uh, uh guys from the unit I was working with, they, they were pooling together and going out, like doing the gardening in our house and doing all this, like taking the dog for walks, coming in at lunchtime, visiting us. These were like Aussies that I had only been working with for like three months and they were yeah. doing this. So wow. the sense of kind of mateship that came from that, I really, it really knocked me. And people from Ireland, like like flying over and like physically helping out an awful lot. Like um, I remember some of Rita's buddies pooled together to get me an iPad and loaded up with a load of hand therapy things to get my hands back. Like really, really amazing, amazing stuff. So, so I thought it, I was like, well, it's up to me to make sure that I um work to get the absolute maximum out of what i can so so and you know like that's that's why subsequently like i like doing talks and and on all this kind of stuff afterwards is because i love trying to impart that piece you know like the story is a story right but it's like i'd love to be able to say to people that for me what worked and maybe it might work for other people is um trying to control what you can and actually own that like whatever you own. So like you can't, I, I couldn't literally uh, control my body, but I could control my reaction to it. And either I could, I, I, I could, and, and quite legitimately not go to another occupational therapy session. But I was, even when my physio session was finished during the day, I go back down and do some more. Or nice. if they were giving me some hand therapy, I was going back and doing that and double it. You know, like, like I was like, this is, this is the challenge of my lifetime. And my father said this to me, he was like, cause I was joking about like, you know, uh, doing adventure, uh, multi day adventure races or whatever it was before I left. And when he subsequently seen me in a hospital bed, he said, you were asking for the challenge of a lifetime. Here it is. And you know, it, 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 it mm. absolutely hit the nail on the head. And it was exactly what I was thinking. It was like, this is the challenge. And, and going back earlier when we were talking about like even the interrogation stuff, all of those things, I felt like it was like somebody trying to break me. Yeah. Mm. So somebody trying to break me, somebody trying to say, you will give in, you will give up. This is, this is not for you. And I was like, well, you know, it'll be on my terms um, and nobody else's. So, so I made sure of that. Um, there was certainly some, some, some great things. So, um, uh, you know, probably, um, challenging my own perception of effort and pushing through a lot of the perceived barriers for paralysis was another one. Um, you know, I, I don't know if uh, my consultant was my biggest fan. He probably thought I was a lunatic um, because I was constantly challenging, constantly telling them, you know, like in goal setting meetings, I was telling them, I want to go back pack marching. And they're like, what do you want about you're in a wheelchair? <laughs> Oh you know, <laughs> I want to go back skydiving. And they were like, all right, tone it down, <laughs> tone it down. You know, this kind of stuff. Um, oh, but but it, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly what I was, what I was kind of challenging the perceptions of, of effort. The only way to do this, in my opinion, is pretty much go hell for leather, go as hard as I can for as long as I can, because whatever I get then, that's, that's the max I can do. And and the other thing that I try and do as well is is when I'm um, probably uh, if people are asking about the kind of things that in terms of the mindset is I do like reflecting back. So tying it back into probably the 
pre-accident story. I like tying it into like previous experiences and basically like all these tough life challenges that, and, and people have had way tougher bloody lives than I have, to be honest. But like all these things then are pretty much just in the bank. And then when some sort of crazy life challenge like this happens, you can just make that withdrawal and say like, if you got through that, you know, maybe you, you, you should be confident that you can get through this. And of course it's compounding because yeah. like now that I've like stepped through all of these, like and rehab was really hard because like the gains get smaller and smaller and smaller as you go on. But then while I was doing this, it was a case of, well, I'm more and more confident that whatever life brings now for me, that bloody hell, didn't I pull myself out of a wheelchair? I think I should be able to manage, you know, mm. whatever it is. Uh, and a, a small quick anecdote on that is actually the, the, I don't know if I can do it, the picture here in the in, uh, side in the corner. That's actually a picture of the people that passed my, um, my special forces selection course. And okay. the guys in the ARW um, took a, a print of that and they signed the back of it um, and sent it over to me while I was still in hospital in Australia. And it really meant a lot to me. Um, and what I did is I got someone to stick it on the wall alongside the bed. And every morning when they were lifting me out so that I had a, a hoist, they would get the, the sling, put it underneath me, lift me out of the bed and drop, pivot me around and drop me onto the, uh, onto the wheelchair. I remember in the halo brace looking at that picture and then like it was almost like an everyday thing that I was able to say, you know, you got through that. And if you got through that, you can get through this stuff. You know, um, and and that's that's what I'd again offer up as a as a thing. People might say it's a it's a load of load of lies or a load of nonsense, but I do think that like everybody's life experiences is basically just like you know hard stuff that they can leverage on for the next challenge and the next one and the next one. So, selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's amazing stuff, Billy. I mean, listening to you there, I, I don't want to cut in because I, I'm just taking so much from what you're saying. And even though for me and for other people listening, we haven't necessarily been through anything like you've experienced in your life but there's none of us that go through this life without some sort of hardship some sort of issue that is causing pain or discomfort it's just not possible to live in the world and, and not experience pain or difficulty in one way or another be it physical or emotional or mental or a combination of all those things and as you said that feeling when you come out the other side of doing something you have it there and you said it so brilliantly it's in the bank and you do, you draw on it when you, you face something difficult again. I, I would imagine they hadn't come across many people with with your determination. <laughs> like, as you said, you're there, you're in a wheelchair. And, you know, most people might be thinking, OK, I really want to be able to stand and, and maybe maybe walk. Obviously, that would be incredible. But no, you want to jump out of a plane. And yeah. it's brilliantly bonkers. But I suppose that that mindset is actually what you needed clearly is what you needed because it made it made the difference a question that's been running around in my head it's and i know i've already asked you a kind of about did you wonder about the the people that were there the kid in the water the two people on the beach and i asked you know did you think about it in a in a spiritual sense of of were they there for a reason and I, your approach is quite pragmatic maybe maybe not not really sure it's not something that i i've given too much thought to but have you thought of what if I didn't get on the bodyboard that day? What if oh. I decided to celebrate New Year's Eve doing something else? What would have like have you had those kind of, you know, they call them the sliding doors moments in life? Like what if I did yeah. something different on that particular day that that thing happened? Have you thought of that? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, it's uh, it's always one that like you can't help but I think follow that down so um sometimes i've thought of that but then i try to and i remember even in the hospital because look like you know we had plans like i had plans for myself like having this like deadly career in the uh, australian defense forces and go and do all this uh, do the selection course in australia and go off and do all these things as well and off i go you know um so it's hard not to think about those things and how it was changing if only and what ifs and ah, uh, so on, where would I be now? Um, I, again, the way I would, I, I try to put it in my own head is like, I don't think for me, it's positive to just completely ignore that. It's like, and, and it's like when people say, did you ever have like dark days? It's coming across like you're just gung ho, like punching through it all the time absolutely i had dark days and absolutely mm. i thought about what if and this is unfair and like if only i had done x y and z um so i felt like i needed to acknowledge and still do acknowledge those things but also acknowledge that like that's the that's that road there and i kind of the way i visage it is like you can look down the road you can walk down the road maybe a few steps but you know, you know that there's nothing good at the end of the road. So there's no point like going that way. 
So yeah. there's no point like trying to step through or, or go down a path of if only this and shouldn't I have done that and, and go too far down there because I think it actually just um, creates probably um, um, a sense of um, a sense of sadness and, and, and what ifs. In fact, I had a good discussion with a guy recently where he was saying, he asked me the question, um, do, you, um, do you regret that it happened? Um, or, or is it actually something? And, and I don't know if I do anymore, as, as random as that sounds, because right. like life has just thrown me now different things. Um, you know, maybe I've like the other part of like when we talk about resilience and stuff, it's not just like robustness, right? It's also about adaptability to the situation. So I think like I basically had to adapt. You know, I wasn't going to ever be the person that I was before. And I'm still not now, right? Um, so, but you need to adapt, like, you know, and, 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 and the ego that probably I had in comparison, even now, um, it's, it's certainly a challenge because you're forced to change. You, you change or you won't change and you'll probably start leaning down that path. So, so being adaptable and like um, having a, like the growth mindset, what can I learn now? How can I do things mm. differently is really important, I think. So I have tried to, the other thing I've done is, is actually trying to research it a lot and understand the dynamics behind a lot of these things. Like, where does this all come from and stuff like that? Like having a grown mindset and being adaptable to your approach, understanding the what ifs, but not letting it control your your thoughts and feelings, I think is really, really powerful. So so that's probably what I try and do is kind of almost look at it. I won't say it's a blessing, but certainly it's something that, look, it is what it is. It happened and actually stuff that we've gone through since then, like even this, like, I would have never been able to talk to your good self if it never happened. So there you go. How cool is that? You know? <laughs> I love it. Bring us back, right? So you're there and you're in you're in the wheelchair, you're doing your physio, you, you know, you're you're putting the effort in and then some, but you still have no bowel function, no sexual function. You're still struggling to eat um much at all. Uh when do things start to change? How long does that um, take? Like, what is the process of that, I suppose? Yeah. So for me, um, things started happening faster than they would for normal spinal injury patients. Right. Um, right. So for instance, I, so the type of um, uh, incomplete quadriplegia that I had was called central cord syndrome. So if... Um, things start coming back usually your lower half will come back better than your upper half which is a little bit strange if it's not too much ass basically were you starting to feel horny effectively <laughs> um, <laughs> what's that what was going on well so i don't know if i was starting to feel <laughs> that way but certainly okay. um it was it was a case of for well i mean like look for for quite a while anyway there was you know, catheter and all that kind of stuff in. It was, it was pretty, but, but you're right to like ask the question because like, it's a mad concern. Like you're like, oh, all of a sudden person that I was going to like, you know, have my life with and all this kind of stuff. Not sure if we're going to have kids anymore. You know, yeah. not sure if you're ever going to be able to have sex again. That's pretty hectic. So um, mm. we weren't really sure for that. I would say maybe uh, like I was still in hospital where kind of just one day we checked to see if things were working and, and thankfully, but that was, that was a couple of months in, to be honest. 
that must have been a like a brilliant, a brilliant moment. I mean, I know it's playful and we're, you know, it's kind of uncomfortable kind of talking about something so deeply personal. But in a situation like that, where you don't know if it's going to return and, you know, you start to see something happening. Wow, that must have been just a brilliant feeling for both of you, like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and all those, all those things. Like you, you, you're right. You're right. Like I, I wouldn't say it was kind of like another box ticked. Like something is back. That's that's fantastic. But um, it was it was great because like yeah. it was just a, a massive concern. I suppose during that period things were coming back, and we were almost probably um, uh, a bit spoiled with the amount that was coming back. So around that same time, all of a sudden, I was probably able to stand up again. You know, oh, next wow. thing, a week or two later, I was able to start, you know, shuffling forward very awkwardly, um, you know, like so, so on and so forth. So so things started happening, like visually, things started happening that might take months, years, or never at all for so many people. And this was happening within months for me. So I certainly take it as, as good luck that that happened. But at the same time, like I said, any time that, you know, um, I was seeing it, like I, w- I was pushing the... You were pushing on, yeah. Pushing the physios, pushing the OTs, uh, you know, like like even by the stage where I was walking around, they still in a halo brace, uh, like walking like a robot very carefully. And they put a little belt on you, like with handles that like a person is meant to be walking with you and holding on to the whole time. And I remember I'd be almost swatting people away, saying, stop holding me. I'm going to walk to the, like, swing myself off the bed, walk to the shelf, do something, and then walk back again. And I used to, you know, get people video recording me, and I wanted to watch it and watch my gait, see what I was doing. Like, it was just full on. And even um, some of the frustrations, of course, was that I had uh, the dexterity and sensation in my hands was extremely limited still throughout this entire period okay. so my field of vision view and the whole lot while i still had the halo brace and chest brace on was very difficult i was pretty skeletal shuffling around the place pretty awkwardly um and couldn't even pick anything up never mind like all this adaptive stuff adaptive toothbrushing or or, or you know even had to relearn how to how to write how to hold a pen how to type how to do everything like that over time so certainly massive challenges I actually found um, the hand therapy stuff more um, mentally draining than the big stuff, the, the the walking again. You know, like everybody saw the video when, like from home and like Billy's walking again, you know, like great. Like basically he's, 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 he's good to go now, you know. For months it used to drive me crazy that I couldn't open a, a, a yogurt top without, nice. without, use, without using my um, – without using my um, – my mouth and um again just a quick anecdote my father because uh, at the time people were rotating to come over and back my father was over and he used to come in every morning and pretty much try and support in some way um with my breakfast or feeding or whatever and a lot of people very quickly realized that the type of help i was looking for was um enablement but not um direct support so if right. somebody was going to watch me uh, try to open a suite and I drop it 10, 20 times. If they picked up that suite and unwrapped it, they were getting a very stern talking to by me uh, in relation to that. And um, so I told him yeah. one morning, I said, uh, Liam, 
do not come in for breakfast tomorrow. Come in at 11. He said, what do you mean? I said, come in at 11. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, look, two things will happen. You know, not be trying to be too dramatic about it. I said, I'll either open the yogurt thing and eat it, or I won't open it and I'll go hungry and that'll be the end of it. But that's the way I'm going to do it. So leave me off and do it. And he said, all right. And sure enough, within a few days, I managed to peel it open or whatever. But already then the other thing she was like, so when you were asking about, was that a great feeling for me? And we, of course it was, of course it was. But I suppose the mindset at the time was really straight on to the next one. I remember even right. the first time, like, um, I did, um, I did like, uh, uh, like stand for four times and everybody was like, bloody, that's amazing. So on, so on, so on. I was already gone to the next one. I was like, tomorrow I'm doing eight, I'm doing 12, I'm doing whatever. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, like now that it's achieved, already moved on to the next one. And even after I got out of the hospital, I was doing similar stuff, pushing myself on. I actually, I ended up running a 10K seven and a half months after the accident, which uh, when I think back now, that's probably, that's probably the most, uh, that's probably the, one of the most hectic ones uh, that I did. I, where I didn't realize it was that short a time after the accident. So this is not just, you know, one step, one, another step. One, this is proper running. Seven and a half months uh, after. Well, I did it in under an hour. I was, I was happy enough with that. Unbelievable. Uh, I, was, I was like, you know, awkward. Like my, my core was all over the place. I was shuffling along, dragging my feet a little bit. Um, and I also, I didn't want to make a thing of it, but like, because that was kind of, that used to be my, like five and 10 Ks, I used to like doing them. Um, right. And, and stuff like that. But I had only, I had only run like three and a half K the Thursday before. And before okay. that, I was only doing like a couple of hundred meters. Like my, my step up is not something that like any exercise physiologist would um would recommend so i don't like i'm not an expert in this but i wouldn't <laughs> recommend it right but literally it was a case of it was more so the sense of trying to feel back to myself testing where's this limit where's this boundary um and, and really trying to get after it and i remember like I, I just signed up it was a fun run up the up the way a little bit i don't even know if i was able to drive yet if i'd got like if i was allowed to drive, to drive because i was still paralyzed and i had the wheelchair pass and everything but I think I got Rita to drive me up and I said, listen, I'm going to run and do this. Uh, you know, cue eye rolls. And she was like, please, please. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm going to, I'm going to finish it. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I know you're going to finish it, but like, don't fall or do something stupid, please. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we, we got it done and, and then stepped through, but there was some really interesting times. So like even months and months after that, and I got to say that the, the Aussie defense force were fantastic. So I was again, really fortunate that um, some of the facilities, the rehabilitation facilities that they have, you just wouldn't get anywhere else because they, you know, like over time had, had, had people coming back from, from overseas deployments with pretty significant injuries. So, you know, access to zero gravity treadmills, uh, exercise physios every day, hydrotherapy pools every day. So I was really pushing that stuff. Um, but I think some of the other thing that I really wanted to do was to get back to work. So I was doing half days and then, kind of three quarter days and i remember probably one of like so, uh, people asked like oh when did you when did you get back to feeling yourself and it's actually a bit of a funny one it's um mm. around september of that year august september i went up the coast like helping out um uh, uh, the guys in the unit running um running basically some uh, some ranges some live fire ranges 
and I got myself re-qualified to the Oz Australian standard to run a live fire range where kind of you're, you know, standing back from the people doing the shooting and you're doing all that. How long after the accident is this now? So what, uh, so September, was that nine months, eight, nine yeah. months? Um, so again, like, like they're looking at this skinny Irish robotic looking, like, like my run is, is not fluid. My gross motor function is not great. I certainly can't even button my top button or, you know, tying shoelaces is still a bit of a trick. Um, and there I am trying to, trying to brief these, <laughs> these people and run the, the, the range or whatever. But I remember coming away from it afterwards and just feeling again, an amazing self, uh, uh, sense of, um, uh, uh, worth from it. Um, mm. because in my head I was providing capability once more. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, and yeah. even, even if it was like, if I, if I never did that, if I had to do something else, if I was still whatever, but it was just the sense of self-worth chasing that sense of self-worth that I was saying, um, you know what, you actually delivered something today. You did something, people learned something from it. Um, and that was probably one of the, one of the best I'm back moments, if you know what I mean. Well, you've spoken about your dad a few times and it sounds like from everything you've said that as a young lad, you know, you said things like you never gave in. You were always very competitive. You had this strive to succeed that was in you all the time. And then your dad obviously poignantly pointed out this is you were looking for it. You were looking for a big challenge. And, and here it is the greatest challenge of your life. And and you overcame it. You know, you could be called so many things like you are phenomenal, like you, your determination, your resilience your ability to never give up it's 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 truly inspiring and it's a word that's bandied about a lot but you really are nothing will stop you from doing what you want to do and following through on what you said you were going to do because you did mention the whole jumping out of a plane thing um can you tell us can you tell us about um about that and and that happening again after after how long uh that was just over a year after the accident um and you're right look like like you know um some of the some of the stories and the anecdotes and stuff some of them are are, are tongue in cheek but a lot of them are like uh they're they're right on that limit of yeah between pushing yourself and being reckless essentially you know what i mean and also you know people have rightly said um at times where was your concern for all those people who supported you while you're pushing yourself through those things. And it's definitely something that I also like on reflection, there's times I'm like, you know what, maybe like that's a fine dance uh, between, between um, um, both of those things. So it's certainly, and it, like, I think the good thing was that at least a couple of occasions when people pulled me up on it, I, I, I kind of at least acknowledged that and, and probably pulled back on a couple of things. Um, because uh, it was important from the holistic perspective. I think if I kept going just hard in, in like I, um, the 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 timetable up on the on the board, and then the social worker came down. I was like, look, this is what I'm doing hour by hour to eight p.m. every night. She's like, where are you spending time with your wife, who's gone through all this with you? And of course, like penny dropped. I was like, oh my god, of course, of course, mm -hmm. I, like this isn't the singular thing. Um, so, so I would call that out that sometimes it is a, f a very fine balance between the, the reckless or selfishness, of course, as well, 
And I don't know how well I would have gotten on if it was, let's say, for instance, a loved one of mine that this occurred to as opposed to myself. So I think sometimes I'm like, maybe maybe right. I have the easier task because it happened to me. Um, as right. opposed, like, because then I could feel like like I'll drive this myself. Whereas if okay. it was somebody that else, maybe I would have found it actually much harder. But uh, but to go back to your mm. point on the on the skydiving, that's that's probably a, a good one. So um, yeah, about about a year later, um, and like what I had done is I had set myself a number of kind of like like um when we talked about earlier the the goal setting and and you you're right it was a farcical uh my first goal patient goal setting meeting where I was the socks the the blood pooling socks was on in the halo brace and the you know like completely paralyzed you know like Catherine and I was like yeah you and you're you were bang on it was like step one I want independent bladder bladder function and bowel function and all this kind of stuff and I was like but uh just so that you guys are uh tracking um and I had uh, Rita print out the like physical employment standard for the infantry and pass it around. I was like, um, that's uh, 40 kilos in a backpack for 15 kilometers in 155 minutes. And like, you know, cue, you know, the classic expectation <laughs> management style stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, and I was like, oh yeah. And by the way, I'm also going back skydiving if I can at all. And they were like, like people losing it. What are you on about? Look like, let's get a mirror and let's take a look at yourself here. And the way I looked at that, I was like, look, I'm not stupid. I know this might not happen, but if I don't try and aim for it, I'll never get there. If I try and yeah. aim, fall short, but I try my hardest in getting there, so be it. The same as like the selection course. If they, if they, if they, if they drag me off and say I'm not good enough, fine, but I'm not going quitting on it is, is, is what I was looking at. So, so sure enough, uh, I, I, through the uh, through the Foo Fighters on really loud in the car as I drove down <laughs> to the drop zone. Um, uh, it was the irony of the Foo Fighters song, Learning to Walk Again, I thought was hilarious as I was driving <laughs> okay. down to, to, the drop, to the drop zone. Um, and I tried to explain to them. So I had some, like, um, uh, because my, uh, my, um, my speciality in, in, in the range range and stuff was kind of skydiving and military free fall and stuff. So... Um, I had a number of jumps and a couple of qualifications and stuff already. So I went down and, and showed them my logbook and stuff and all this. And I said, listen, you're probably not going to believe the background to this. But anyway, here's the gig. May have been a quadriplegic <laughs> last year, uh, but I'm keen to do a jump. Um, and all I need is like an instructor, not to be tied to me, definitely not that I don't want to do a tandem, uh, to jump out alongside me and basically just check that I'm I'm able to stay stable in the air and all that and I'll, I'll land and all that, and they were just kind of like, uh, what now? I was like, uh, mm. look, it's all good. What do you need me to sign? And they just said, okay, no. <laughs> okay. So they rolled out what must have been oh. the youngest looking instructor known to me. like if the if the person was like seven a day over seventeen, I'd say not. So I was like, I'm not even going to bother telling you the story. Just jump out with me, make sure I'm safe. No worries. Off we went up in the aircraft. I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I wonder if anybody, like if I even told anybody in this aircraft the story, would they even believe that like, yeah. you know, you're jumping with a quadriplegic here? And they'd be like, what? You know, so uh, wow. anyway, jumped out. Uh, no no dramas with the, with the jump. But I remember after opening up the canopy and, and looking out over over the uh, the the. Queensland um, uh, skyline. I just left out a massive roar uh, for whatever reason, and uh, and yeah, I was delighted with myself. I did a few jumps um, afterwards, but uh, probably never. 
like never continued on because it was kind of a hobby of mine but i'd say i did no more than maybe 10 or 15 jumps thereafter and then kind of gave it in but it was part of the i think going back to the previous story was uh going out on my own terms and and yeah, kind of like yeah. saying you know i'm not gonna let this defeat me and like this was part of who i was and then stepping it up to to, to kind of that level and then saying okay i know it's you know inherently high risk activity so I'll, i think i'll actually leave it off so yeah that was that was the story of the skydive wow. and, and wow. My, my own recklessness which is acknowledged it's incredible it's oh I can't imagine that feeling. It, it must have been because it sounds like it was something that you really always really enjoyed and it was exhilarating anyway. But would it have been one of the the best feelings you ever had uh, with a jump? I think I think so. Like, the, I don't know why, because I hadn't planned on doing anything like that. And I was just by myself, you know, like I just drove down right. by myself. But yeah. it just it just felt at the time it was like. I don't know, like, like, uh, it, I felt like I hadn't been defeated that, you know, yeah, that's it, that, yeah. like as part of the, the story, I, like, you know, head was bloodied, but unbowed kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, like I, di- I didn't, I didn't waver to it and, and, and managed to push on through it. So, so yeah, maybe it was that sense of it. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. Well, you've just mentioned, you've said the word unbowed there and, and I know, I know you're, you're referencing, a very famous poem there what you're saying and that's that's where you got the title of your book that you released was it five six years ago now at this stage so it was unbowed a soldier's journey back from paralysis was the book yeah. but uh maybe it's the right time to talk about the inspiration for the for the title of that yeah yeah so like the actual writing of the book itself funnily enough when i was talking about um actual hand mm. therapy the genesis of writing it was through practice um so like they wanted me to type stuff um uh i, I pulled down a, a a book that i was typing and i found it really boring so we actually because we were taking journals of kind of positive and negatives of the days when i was in hospital so that's how the genesis of the it wasn't even a book it was more so a reflective journal and and pretty i suppose self-reflective for me and i i, I kept it kind of for myself for a while but the reason why then i went kind of out with it and decided to publish it was for kind of some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier, where I'd love to probably pass on some of the stuff, say, Hey, here's, here's a bit of a story. Here's what worked for me in terms of the mentality that I took. Maybe it might help people out who are in, who are in a bit of strife as well. But, but in terms of the, 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 the poem, so obviously um, I had known of the poem Invictus before and the story actually of William, Henley, the poet himself, and how he had a very difficult existence. So um, I'd gotten, so it, you know, was something that probably resonated even previous. But um, Rita printed off the poem and put it up um, on the TV over the uh, over the bed uh, in in the hospital. And you know, it wasn't as if I was going anywhere in a hurry anyway. So every morning when they kind of raised the bed up like Frankenstein, um, I was able to read and reread and and the stanzas were 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 pretty pretty important you know like um you know um in the felt clutch of circumstance not winced nor cried aloud under bludgeonings of chance my head is bloody but unbowed really saying you know like bad luck shit happens um but what you know like staying staying actually uh, uh strong about it and of course the last stanza 
uh, being so important about, you know, how, no matter how straight the gate, charged with punishments, the scroll, uh, I am the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my soul. And just knowing, basically, like, like again, going back to the point, it's like the ownership of my reaction to everything and knowing that while I was lying in the bed, I was I, I, I just literally can't control so much of my body right now. But like I am actually like, you know, the master of, of, of my own soul. I have control. I have, uh, you know, agency of this. I can react positively and get after this and do the best I can. And it just resonated me. And still to this day, um, I, I still try and hold true to that and say, listen, I need to grip things up and, and, and kind of, you know, control what I can and own that because it's actually, it, it's, it's a freedom I find as opposed to a burden um, taking ownership of stuff, you know, um, that I, I try yeah. to look inward first before I probably look, look elsewhere, you know? So yeah, that was, that was, the, that was the genesis of the, of the poem. I, uh, I managed to, um, I managed to trick my brother even into getting a bit of a tattooed. Both of us have a tattoo of it now. Um, so that was, that was pretty fun. I told him, uh, Oh, what was the, I think uh, quite early on in the piece, I told him, if I get back walking again, we're both going to yeah. have to get a tattoo of this poem. And he said, right. you're on. And then quite, quite quickly, when I started like progressing, he was like, you better slow down because I really don't want a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> but he went through with it. He did. He did. My sister actually uh, designed it. Um, and it's uh, okay. like uh, the stanzas Asquega on our backs. So, uh, so yeah, he oh, walks class. around the place, you know, in his, in his, um, in his high profile uh, office job wearing his white shirt and everybody can see his, <laughs> his filthy tattoo on his back. So I'm delighted with that. <laughs> the other thing was as well, that was that Rita actually didn't want me to get a tattoo at all. And again, she right. got brought into the bed. I was like, so if I start walking, Rita, you're going to allow me to get the tattoo. And Simon, you're going to have to get it too. And they were like, uh, like, you can't really argue with the dude lying in the bed. No. I was like, all right. No. You were kind of holding the trunk card there, weren't you? So you yeah. had all of these, like, I want to do this. I want to do this. So you did the skydiving. What else did you want to do? And what, when did you get it done? Um, so the, the, that physical um, employment test for, for the infantry, that was actually a pretty challenging one. Um, and it was something I wasn't sure if I was going to get back to a level to do that. Um, but so that's, that probably took maybe, I think it was probably two, two and a half or three years post. And although my, so like, you know, I did fully integrate back into the Australian military, managed to be, obviously employable and then deployable again. And I really did want to serve on deployment with the, with the ADF and subsequently managed to do that. And that was fantastic. But um, I think at that stage then, no more so than same with skydiving, got to the stage where I was like, okay, I think I'm um, from a personal perspective, um, pretty, pretty satisfied. But more importantly, um, we were, we were able to, to, to start a family at that stage. And um, yeah. certainly it was always the case that, you know, Coming from where we came from, we weren't going to um, uh, look something like that um, uh, lightly. So, so I think it certainly changed. Like, if the accident hadn't happened, going back to your, your thing before, would I have stayed in the military for longer and probably done more with it? I probably would have. Um, but certainly, I think it's given me a different perspective and, and and changed changed a lot of different things. So, I did do 
like a full six years, uh, just under six years in the in the in the Aussie Defence Forces, and it's a great organisation. But um, stepped out into into the big bad civilian world um, afterwards, and particularly because I was probably conscious of our two little little yeah. girls and making sure that I was around um, full time for them, which would be great. Becoming a dad, that was another a huge chapter in your life. And, you know, listening to you speak about, about Rita and the little little glimmers uh, we're getting of her as a person, she sounds like an incredible person who clearly loved you very much, but was also, I would imagine, your rock through really difficult times. For sure, from from a very, like, immediately um, when, when, the, when the accident happened, um, she was certainly um uh, on it and and also like maybe it was because we had been together for a while like got my mind she got my mindset knew yeah. like you know that I, like i was looking to be enabled and and stuff like that and also it was a very it ended up being very like instantaneously a very different dynamic to our relationship because up to that point she had and and she would say it had never seen me basically kind of like weak and fragile you, you know what i mean never seen like you know um she she, she kind of comments sometimes and said you know you you were you looked a different person you looked fragile you looked like you know a strong wind would would break you in half um just very different to the way you were or anything like that so it was certainly a, a really difficult and challenging time um, for her and for us, like you know, our relationship and stuff. Like I mentioned, even where mm. I was getting after things, I probably at times was, I would imagine, difficult to be around. You know what I mean? Um, so the patience that that you would have had to have had for that as well is something that obviously I'll I'll be eternally grateful for because uh, mm. because certainly I, I I wouldn't have liked it to have been the other way around. Do you know what I mean? So. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's um, it's uh, a, a lot of like I don't um, I, I usually like kind of talk uh, sometimes about like the the personal mental aspect of it, or even sometimes we talk about luck, but actually the other I, I think like if I was to put it in priority order, like why why everything worked out, number one is luck, number two is actually the support that I got, particularly from Rita and, and family and friends. And then the third one is all the rest of the stuff, the the the, the resilience related stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, I I have to say that it's uh, it's a, an incredible journey that she's been on as well, um, and one that I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't take lightly to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible to go through something like you went through and not be, I would imagine, utterly changed by it. Um, what has been the biggest change in you do you think Ooh, um, god that's a tough question she i don't i don't i don't um i'd love to i'd love to give a smart answer on that but it's actually i don't know as has anybody ever asked me that um which is why it's really interesting to think of it um maybe Maybe trying to like um, I think perspective, if 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 that makes sense, like perspective and yeah. patience, um, like anytime even now, uh, you know that I might get caught up and I feel myself getting caught up or something in work bothers me, and then I'm kind of like, 
ah, but should it really, you know, mm. should it really like, you know, like think about some of the, some of the places you were or whatever, whatever. Um, and we actually sometimes like if we're having, let's say for instance, even um, maybe it's a discussion about the kids, maybe it's a like low level disagreement on something. We very quickly pull it back out of, okay, does this really matter considering some of the stuff that we went through before? Nah, you know, so yeah. perspective, I think, is is probably one of the main things. Um, the appreciation of patience is another thing. And then the last thing, which which I probably would say that I may not have had a, 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 an appreciation of before, but I think, and it probably ties into some of the the work you're doing even on the podcast, is um, in relation to probably mindfulness and, and even um, some some aspects of that. So whether it be like I'd be a strong advocate and I know um, uh, uh, like of meditation or mindfulness, even on a daily basis or, or, or something like that for a few minutes, um, I do feel like it makes a massive difference. And I also feel that even uh, because I used it, um, I had a, a site working with me for even pain management techniques. Mm. Um, and I just found it really worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but uh, but it did work for me. And I, I found that really, really, really helpful. Um, and if ever I'm feeling kind of, you know, generally a little bit of anxiousness or stress or something from something that I really shouldn't, um, I, I just kind of, you know, take a few minutes out and do something like that. And I feel like it, re- it really is. I, I thought at the start, I was like, is this... A, is this just a gimmick? But uh, but no, it works for me. So I think, yeah, they're probably mm. things that have changed. People see afterwards, they're like, what? Uh, so you break your neck and now you're a hippie? It's like, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you talking? Is it deep breathing? Is it just bringing yourself into the present moment? Or do you listen to guided meditations or how do you do it? I find guided stuff a little bit too difficult. So for me, I've just got okay. kind of like, it's almost the same track that I like using, just one of those kind of generic ones. Um, again, it's 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 breeding and visualization. So when we used to do the pain management stuff, I remember the psych saying just visualizing a lot of blues, uh, like just a blue of, of a color being very helpful yeah. and, and uh, relaxing. Um, and then um, particularly then on, on just the daily stuff, it's sometimes box breathing, but most of the time it's even just, for me, I just visualize kind of like in the inhale, a little bit of, I don't know, energy that's just kind of in your arms and your legs. And then on each exhale that I just can feel it going out my fingertips and out my toes. And then it goes back in and I'm like kind of pushing it away each time a little bit further out. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I've listened to it a couple of times. Maybe it's absolute nonsense, but I get something out of it. So, yeah, you're talking to somebody who's 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 very much respects it and is into it. And uh, and and so many people, once they do realize that actually there's something in this, even if they can begin being quite skeptical about it. You know, I think the evidence is in your life and in your body and how you feel. And if, if you feel better. Hey, happy days. So you've had yeah, you've had yeah. a, you've had you've had an exciting life <laughs> so far, and you're still a young guy with young kids. Um, do you do you embrace the the normal now, the normal and the average kind of day? And I don't mean that in a in a derogatory <laughs> way. I mean it in the sense that you've had a lot of excitement. You've done some amazing things in your career, and then you've had a, a catastrophic accident that you thankfully overcame um but now life is different life is 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 regular 
you know, you have a, a regular job and you're a dad to two kids and you're a married man. Um, is that a part of your life that you actually enjoy now? I think certainly having left the military, I do miss the camaraderie and the, the bit of banter. And it's like, you know, like like if you've been involved in a sports club for years and years and years and then you leave the sports club or something, something like that, kind of the, the, the collective um, feel of it and stuff like that. Like um, there's a bit of that. Um, but um yeah i also I, I i don't mind it too much either you know what i mean like be, being able to have again probably a little bit more agency in what you can or can't or, or do or don't want to do um so a bit of both i do try and uh if possible do one or two things that might be interesting definitely nothing um uh crazy or anything like that um more reading <laughs> right. or you know like like that's that's enjoyable but um no i think a little bit of a and a little bit of b i don't i don't try mm. and still chase the chase the madness somebody asked me before they were like uh are you going to write another book i was like uh i've no intention of breaking my neck again so like no is the answer <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, not unless something crazy happens again but uh hopefully not so um so no i i think uh i think i'm pretty happy i mean you know, like she did. Kids, kids are merciless. They're absolutely merciless. They keep you so busy. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. You know, what what I do find interesting is, I suppose, um, they they only know me post accident. I suppose, if if you yeah. know what I mean. So yeah. they they'll only ever know me as as this person. Not that this person is 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 a mad change or anything like that. But I I do find that's uh, interesting. And to be honest, a lot of times we don't even talk about it or it gets brought up or if it does it's just mm. anecdotal um and even sometimes in workplaces or stuff like that you know i might get uh you know the the, the funny after a few months somebody comes to me and say hey i heard a story about you is it true you know this kind yeah, of stuff yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so i actually enjoy that i don't you know i enjoy kind of getting back in and just being another just being another Joe is kind of, is, is all right sometimes as well. You know, I don't, I actually, I don't mind that. Not like, again, maybe it's because, maybe it's because I wouldn't like my life just to be defined by, uh, by that either. You know what I mean? Mm, maybe. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I, I respect that. And I, I get what you're saying. I, I would imagine, even though I haven't been through what you've been through, but there's so much more to you than just, that day on the beach I, I was unsure about to ask whether to ask this question but look i'll ask it um did you go back bodyboarding go back into the water again <laughs> uh i i haven't gone back bodyboarding but yeah. i certainly have gone back to the water a number of times i've gone back to king's beach a number of times actually um right. and gone to the same spot um so actually over Christmas, my mother was over visiting. Um, it was fantastic. First time she had met our uh, youngest uh, in oh, the flesh okay. due to COVID and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it was great. Sure. Her. Um, but I did bring her um, because she, ha she hadn't been to, to uh, up there or anything like that since, since the accident. So I did bring her up to Kings Beach. I think she found it a little bit more confronting than probably I did. But uh, yeah, I, like I tried not to again, make it a thing where I would be um, uh, like, I couldn't get back into the water or anything like that. Um, mm. I'm certainly more conscious of it. I'm petrified of my kids being in the surf, 
and want them okay. to do like there's all these like little nippers training courses and stuff like that for them so um you know i i, I definitely want them to to get in there and be uh be be smart in the surf i suppose and all that kind of stuff but uh but yeah i would i wouldn't i try not to be afraid of it but definitely uh you know uh, i wouldn't be uh uh i wouldn't be like jumping and lepping around the place anymore sure. i think i just take it easy you know wet, hey. wet me feet it'll be all right <laughs> yeah 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 billy it's been amazing to talk to you i think listening to you now has given me and anyone listening a massive dose of hey what the hell am i worried about why what you know if we're having a moan or we're having you know we're having that kind of a day where we're we're feeling a bit like for me about my or, or about our lives that uh listening to you is is a complete wake-up call to actually appreciate how much we do have and, and so much of a so many of us have so much that we don't necessarily uh realize how lucky we are and actually being grateful for what we have is a great reminder so thank you for that reminder and uh i hope to meet you someday in person uh you're brilliant so a continued success in whatever you do and uh thank you so much for being on the podcast thanks Mel, for having me Sheila. really really enjoyed it so thanks Mel. If you enjoyed this episode, you might appreciate my conversations with Ray Goggins and Deddy Fitzgerald. And if you like this episode, please pass it on to your friends and your family, or you could even share it on your social media. And of course, you can support what I do in all the usual ways by clicking follow, giving a rating and leaving a little comment. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.